0: I'm Amy Pruitt, founder of Radiant Yoga and Wellness in Columbus, Ohio.
1: I'm Lisa Dumas, creator of Warrior to Warrior Yoga Therapy.
0: The word radiant is often used in Ayurveda as a state of being in response to balancing practices.
1: A warrior can be embodied by learning to skillfully navigate the light and dark of life on and off the yoga mat.
0: Welcome to continued conversations intended to inspire presence, perspectives, and an open heart.
1: Thank you for being here for another episode of A Radiant Warrior. Amy, it's so good to talk to you.
0: Oh my goodness, Lisa, I have missed you so much.
1: (laughs) It's not that we haven't talked at all over the past year, but it hasn't been weekly for sure, and I'm so excited to be speaking in this format, in this medium. We
0: are coming back i know it's very exciting i didn't think it would happen but here we are
1: when we stopped recording the radiant warrior we didn't have a specific agenda we didn't know if we were ending the podcast or we didn't know if it was ending just for now Um, about a year ago we released our final episode and we don't need to remind anybody what was going on a year ago in June 2020. We are a few months into a global pandemic and we were all coming to terms with the fact that that was our new reality. Amy, you are a healthcare worker. You were on the front lines in the first few months. It it was overload on information. So, I mean, our first reason for taking a hiatus at the very least was because you had no idea of your schedule. You had no idea what was coming. If you were going to be transferred, it, it, it was an incredibly confronting time to say the least.
0: Confronting is a good word. I, um, when I think about a year ago, it feels like yesterday and it feels like a blink of an eye. And I remember the state I was in in June of 2020, I was not in a good space to be holding space for anyone else or to even be suggesting what anyone else should be doing. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to navigate, like you said, my day-to-day schedule, not knowing what was coming next, not knowing what my position was going to be. At that time, they were talking about redeploying us to different areas of healthcare to just take care of what was in front of us so yes a year ago things looked very different for me and I'm so happy to be on this side of it
1: and I'm sure many people listening can relate and I relate with you when it comes to there was so much to process that I had no idea what to say and processing out loud or or truly even in social media wasn't feeling authentic because we were learning and unlearning more information every day. You know, 2020 really took off the blinders that so many of us had. It, it showed us so much about our societies and the world we live in. And so it showed us so much about ourselves and for us, I I think for both of us, we were processing so much that it wasn't an outward time. It it was an inward time. And you were putting all of your energy into of course the hospital and, and finding out what was next. And, and nobody, we haven't experienced a global pandemic in our life, let alone being in the healthcare system, I can't imagine. So everybody is processing that. And because at the time, you and I already had the technology down. I mean, we're recording this episode in two different sides of the country. We were in two different countries at that time, and we're gonna update you a little bit about where we find ourselves now. But we already had the technology where we were using Zoom For some of our teachings. And so when my yoga studio closed, it was easy to make that transition to continue to hold space for the community. And that is about all that I could focus on. You know, there was this great pivot for so many people. And another reason from my perspective, from not being able to feel like I was able to hold space here was because like many, there was a huge pivot in my family. Uh, it, it it affected my, my daughter's plans for the year, uh, some of our income and work, and also where we were living. So it was almost like, so much of the world was experiencing that first chakra problem, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Whether whether you are into the energetics of the body or not, this could be theoretical. Sometimes I feel that it's theoretical, but what I mean by that is so many of us were thrown back to having to be concerned about the bare minimum, like our security and our, and our safety. And so it's hard to think about personal development and and anything extra when you're really down in the trenches, tending to that part of life. And I think a lot of us were thrown back into that part of life, just reacting and doing the best that we could to take care of ourselves and our nearest and dearest.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things became very simplified in some ways. Like you said, just tending to the basic needs of myself and my family and our safety, our mortality, Mm -hmm. being in, being in healthcare. I had colleagues who ended up on ventilators and that was going straight to my core of fear for my safety, for my husband's safety, being a nurse as well. And so, yes, when you are faced with, how you are going to make an income and how safe is that way you make your income and will that be enough? And also having children at home like you did and my grandchildren worrying about their safety and schooling and just the madness of everything that shifted so quickly and reacting day to day i i don't know how we all did it like i look back and i'm just astounded that all the shifts and all the transitions that the entire planet had to make to get through 2020 whether it was in our country whether it was in canada whether it was in europe just how things changed and, and the innovation and the technology and the way business adapted and the way schools adapted, it's just, it just blows my mind. And, and part of it is awe-inspiring how quickly people were able to come up with solutions to problems. And I'm just, it, it will take me forever to unpack 2020. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I hope that, I hope that many of us are able to take the time to continue to unpack and, and not just jump into back to normal. And even our decision to move back into recording this podcast, uh, it, for me, it's not a back to normal. For me, so much has changed. And I know also for you. Um, And so we'll be talking about that as we move on with newer episodes. Now, for this episode, this is a, a bonus episode. We are releasing this on the summer solstice as a celebration for this time of full energy in nature, for the celebration of the light coming back in in many more ways than one. And in in celebrating the good one, we can. Um, This is not a full new episode. Amy and I are here giving a brief update, and we're also going to do an update on an episode that we are going to replay for you. So last year, on June 25th, we released an episode in conjunction with the summer solstice last year. And... In that episode, we offered a lot of different information about what the summer can bring from a therapeutic yoga and Ayurvedic perspective. So we talk a lot about the doshas and the pitta dosha, and we ex- we go into explaining what the doshas are a little bit, an overview of them and what pitta means in this coming episode. So we don't need to say too much about, about it right now, but we do talk a lot about um, burnout and addiction and some of these fiery conditions that we can feel in our bodies and our minds more prominently at this time of year. So we both have an update on what we discussed in that episode, but this episode was so full of what I consider to be really important wisdom from yoga and Ayurveda to help us and be a support system through the summer months that we wanted to replay it for you. We also offered a seven week live series last year at this time called A Radiant Summer and we were giving our students that joined us live everything that we know really about staying balanced and feeling cool in many more ways than one in our body in our minds and in more of an open heart throughout the summer months and we are going to re-release that entire course today as well so we're back to update this episode a little bit but our official Uh, new episode date is going to be on Tuesday, the 29th of June, so in a little less than a couple of weeks. And you will have a new episode pretty much every Tuesday. That's our intention. But also it should be said that one of the reasons that we didn't beat ourselves up for pausing the podcast is because you, our listeners, if you were ever feeling overwhelmed in your schedule, we would hope that you would allow yourself to peel back something that maybe didn't feel right at the time. And so that's that's why we did it, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely trying to practice what we preach.
1: You know, I feel like there's a difference between having a busy schedule and then feeling emotional upheaval and having a busy, busy schedule, but feeling connected to contentment. And the first one creates overwhelm because we can, ha- we can be busy. We can be busy and feel tethered to our purpose, or we can feel busy and have a lot of upheaval going on in our lives with the people that we love, some conflict in our lives. And then that creates that busy mind and that's what causes overwhelm and that's what can cause burnout. And that's something that's in your history. You talk about it in this podcast that we are updating for you here. And so I think you're cognizant of that. You can you can feel it when it's coming and me too. And that's the first update that I'll offer going into this replay of this podcast is we talk a lot about how to balance Pitta. Many of us are dominant in pitta, and that's wonderful. There's light and dark in all of these doshas. Not one is better than the other. We're only talking about when a dosha becomes imbalanced, it's when we can start to to feel uh, imbalances within ourselves. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but if it's affecting your life, you may want some support. But my most recent teacher, one of the gifts that he has given the world with how he views Pitta is balancing it means to really sensitize yourself to the attributes of it. So not only feeling the physical heat in your body, but starting to notice when frustration, irritation, burnout, starting to notice when that heat is rising. So learning to become very sensitized to yourself noticing am i going for a run today because it's wednesday and this is my running day even though it's hot outside and i'm really tired or can we allow ourselves to move in a different way that day that that keeps us moving that that keeps us feeling as though w- we're still honoring our wellness goals but it's it's something that's kinder it's something that is more cooling to our bodies and our minds so that's the first update that i'll offer for the episode we're about to share
0: So after we released that episode and we put the podcast on hold, I really needed those lessons in my own life. My life's work on myself has been overcoming burnout and grief and to have such a time in our history where I felt like that's all I was feeling last summer was intense burnout and horrible grief. Having the teachings of Ayurveda and having the teachings of yoga and surrender and releasing of attachments and feeling that fire in me just rise to the surface constantly. Last summer, I rage cleaned my house quite often to try to dispel some of that Mm -hmm. fiery energy. I allowed myself to not try to be all the things all the time and watched people around me try to keep their motivation going and have these challenges and these goals and seeing these memes that said, if if you don't come out of quarantine with a six pack, what were you doing? And, <sighs> and, and feeling so opposite of that, feeling that if I went down that road, I would just be creating more burnout, more fire in me and more sadness and not dealing with the sadness that was all around us. Really leaning into the practices that balance Pitta, finding deep rest, allowing myself to rest often. So many times last year, my yoga practice was lying on my mat with a blanket, with the lights out. And that was my complete yoga practice. And that's what I needed to balance everything else that was going on, any kind of cooling practices, any kind of restful practices, not trying to channel this energy that we would normally be expending with all of our quote unquote normal activities before the pandemic, seeing how people were trying to just replace their activities or replace what they were doing with other things. I just set that down and it was, the best thing I could have ever done for myself last summer to not move further into what I quote unquote should be doing with my time when I wasn't at the hospital, what I should be doing with my body to better utilize our quarantine time. I just gave myself such grace last year and I'm very thankful for that. My tendency could have been to move further into creating doing being more aggravating pitta becoming more angry becoming more overheated moving further into burnout and then hitting a wall because that's my tendency and just putting a pause on it and and maybe that meant that we didn't do the podcast for a while and maybe that meant that i had to shut down my beloved studio for months because I just couldn't do it all. I couldn't be at the hospital and I couldn't run a studio. I just couldn't hold space for people and know that I was keeping a safe space. So, and maybe that would have been the nail in the coffin for the business. I wasn't sure, but I knew that the kindest thing for myself and for my students was to be honest and say, I can't be in all these places at once. I have to devote my time right now to the hospital, and if that means that the studio stays online for a long time, that's what what I chose to do and and not try to be everything to everyone. I'm so grateful that that we have these practices and what the practices look like when you are faced with stress such as a global pandemic and how they served me over the past year. I am I am eternally grateful for for having those tools in my toolbox.
1: You just spoke so beautifully and it was a great update to how we spoke about Pitta last year. You know, Pitta helps us to create and to take action and one clue that it might be getting a little hot is that word should. I should be doing this where it feels more like we're forcing ourselves I also love to hear you talk about channeling when we do start to feel frustration and irritation there is a place where we can take that energy so it doesn't destroy the boundaries of somebody else or of ourselves and also some pittas they like to channel that into study or being inspired or feeding their minds with 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 something beautiful, with something that lifts them. And then they'll find that they feel a little bit cooler if they haven't fed their minds with something um, that that lifted them and, and entranced them, interested them. And I can say that that's true for me. If I start my morning with information that inspires me, that I feel like adds something to my life, I can tell that I'm so much calmer. And so these practices do work. In my past, hit a dominance that is already natural in in me was definitely unbalanced. And that wasn't helped by the fact that in my past, in years and years past, and we've talked about this on this this podcast, alcohol was a bigger part of my life. First, because it supported me through uh, an anxiety disorder in my 20s though I didn't realize that I was using it to do that. But, um, and then it just was this sort of habitual part of life, part of celebrations. My next update that I wanna share because last year's episode dove into addictions because this is also a Pitta tendency. Pitta is thoughts that are obsessional in nature. And we all have something that takes our attention so much that if you imagined what life would be like without that specific thought about doing that thing or having that thing, how much space there would be, and we all have something. And for me, last year, um, well, back to what we were talking about in the episode, you talked a lot about Letting go of alcohol and your journey with it, and how at that time you were, I think, three years. So now you're just about four years abstinence from alcohol, right? Alcohol free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the big change for me is by not exactly a year ago, but almost a year ago, I too put that down. Uh, we're not. We're not making you know any any claims here. We're only talking about our own experience. And in my experience, to further balance my pit of dominance and to feel a lot more grounded, and also to bring the cooling element of water in, to feel more content mm-hmm. and tranquil, putting that down has been everything. I can't tell you. Um and and we will talk more about that in in new episodes because it's been a big part of both of us and our journey. Um and that's just speaking for ourselves. That was what was right for me. I could see that it wasn't helping. I could see that when it was in my experience, that it was amplifying obsessional thoughts. And maybe even just obsessional thoughts around guilt or not feeling good enough or not doing enough because it was just not contributing to my overall energy, to my overall life force. So laying it down is one of the best things that I've ever done and I know is helping me to feel as I feel now and way more connected to the sweetness of life and the gratitude of life, even though many challenges that arose last year at this time are still lingering in my life there are people that i love dearly that are suffering there was already a mental health crisis we know this and many of us felt everything that we suffered with spike last year and if there's one really big reason why i wanted to do this again is this is what i do as a yoga therapist the only reason that i left radio and 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 these jobs where you're working for somebody and there's the, you know the paycheck all the time is is because i suffered for so long with disordered anxiety and that is just spiking and on the rise with so many people now and i can be a part i can help you know, for, for some people I can help. There's help out there. I'm so gratified actually, to see how much help there is everywhere you look. You only just have to type anxiety into any social media feed and you will get so much inspiration and so much information, so much more than there was when it first reared its head in my life in my early 20s. And I wanna be a part of that. So that is a big reason why I, wanted to share my voice in a broader way and not to mention that you know you're all listening we we had no idea we're not great at or maybe I'll just speak to me for me (laughs) I'm not great at looking at numbers and but my husband he's in the broadcasting and podcasting space and has been for a bit. And so he looks at the back end, right? The dashboards of some of these podcasts because he is involved in some as well. And he said, you need to come and look at something. And you know, Amy, you and I hadn't thought about the podcast in a while, we were still talking. It was just always there, something that who knows, maybe we're gonna go back to one day, but we hadn't discussed it in a long time. And he said, look at this. And you all are listening still every single day to our past episodes. And the episode that we're about to replay for you here in moments uh, about supporting yourself in the summer, that was one of our most listened to. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you listened to it. And I feel... I feel really honored by that because to be completely honest, Amy and I were very thoughtful about the content that we offered and it did, you know, we, we put a lot of energy into sharing what we shared, hoping it would be helpful, hoping it would be useful. And so it was quite amazing to see that, you know, you're listening. And so we, if you're listening, we want to be here.
0: I think it's, it just goes to show that I might feel like I'm the only one who suffers in a certain way or you might feel like you're the only one who suffers in a certain way. But we all have these things happen in our lives and that connection with somebody who can know what you're going through and to speak honestly and openly about maybe the not so pretty parts of life or areas where we just really struggle and to have somebody else in the world that maybe has a similar struggle makes you feel so much less alone. And and I think that's what connects us all is when we share our stories and we tell the truth and we don't try to paint a picture that is all roses, but say, you know, there's some other stuff in my life that maybe I'm not so proud of, or maybe that I really struggle with, or that I, you know, am worried about what people will think of me. When we tell the truth, that just breaks down walls and, and we find the connection with other people. And I know for myself it makes me feel like I'm not alone. So when you say when Cliff ran the numbers and saw that people were listening, that's what that's what it told me is is we're making connections and and hopefully someone else doesn't feel so alone when they hear our stories.
1: Mm-hmm. And connection is one of the antidotes to feeling the sensations of out of balance pitta, which you'll hear more about in this episode. Connection mm-hmm. that is our intention coming back is to continue to create connection and community and we have some new ideas about how we can do that and keep learning and unlearning and growing together and not going back to normal. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. So we'll continue to unpack everything that changed for us and for you and for guests um, throughout 2020. Um, And if there is a week where one of us is overwhelmed, we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And if there's a Tuesday where there isn't an episode, (laughs) that didn't mean that we're abandoning this connection or don't value this opportunity to create community and connection. It just meant that we hope to model what We always teach, which is you got to take care of that. You know, you have to feel worthy enough to let something go, be willing to disappoint somebody so that you don't burn out. Exactly. Okay. So without further ado, one note about this podcast replay There is a bit of a click on my end, and I was remembering that I was recording my part from my parents' home. I quarantined for the entire summer with my parents at their very spacious home in the Okanagan Valley in Canada while my husband relocated and took care of our home in Southern California, and while my daughter still attempted to launch herself in Ooh. the middle of a pandemic. So so I was on a, a not-so-great laptop with not-so-great headphones, and you won't have to worry about that sound issue moving forward. But just a note to the listener that there is just every once in a while, a slight click on my audio and on my side. Um, and a reminder that we will come back with our bigger updates to our regularly scheduled programming, but not back to normal uh, (laughs) on Tuesdays, heading forward starting on Tuesday the 29th. Happy solstice. If you are interested in learning more about the program, A Radiant Summer, that we are re-releasing, it is such a robust course, um, please go and have a look at lisadumasyoga.com, amypruitt.com, on our social media channels. Join us at the Radiant Warrior community in Facebook. We're going to come up with some more ideas of how we can continue our connection there. And thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to us.
0: Yes, it does. It means the world. And I'm so excited that we get to talk each week again.
1: I love it. So inspiring to talk to a friend that you feel really safe with and I hope for everybody listening that that you have somebody in your life that really sees you because that is also just incredibly healing and cooling for our systems. I love you. I love you. There are some things to consider when we transition into a new season and especially right at the solstice. And when I was researching what we were going to be offering, what was really beautiful for me to think about was it's a time to be able to really offer gratitude for the sun. You know, I think that we know the power of an appreciation practice and being grateful for everything that the sun gives us and the earth gives us. But to be able to, to spend an entire practice offering gratitude was, was a nice opportunity and something that is supposed to be quite healing for us at this time of year. And also what my research was showing up is that in different cultures around the world, in our history, there have been a lot of festivals that are um, marking the arrival of summer and those festivals have a lot of fire in them. And because the element of fire symbolizes the life giving nature of the sun. And then that brought to mind the element of fire and how Ayurveda relates the element of fire to one of the doshas called pitta and summer is actually pitta season. So, Uh, There's a lot to discuss here to let people know about how this dosha can affect our bodies, our minds, our our emotions, the way we relate with each other, what we might deal with when it comes to um, inflammation and physical disorders and the way we might think. So do you want to share um, with our listeners a little bit about... Pitta and what it is?
0: So in Ayurveda, Ayurveda classifies us primarily through three doshas, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And you have probably heard us talk quite a bit about Vata on this podcast. Vata is considered the king of doshas, that it um, kind of pushes the other doshas around. But this is Pitta season, so summer becomes... Pitta season. Pitta is the dosha in Ayurveda that's made up of fire and water. And it is the dosha that controls our metabolism in our body, um, how we digest our food, how we digest thoughts in the mind, how we have discernment. It governs the emotion of anger. And it is can be put out of balance by too much heat. So, if you have a strong pitta dosha, everyone has all three doshas in us, but if you primarily have a dominant dosha of pitta, summer may, you might have some extra challenges during the summer as it gets hotter outside. You might find yourself hotter on the inside. Your emotions might be shorter, you might tend towards anger or becoming critical or sharp. You might feel the heat much more than somebody else. You might not like the heat or feel like you get overheated easily. You might have problems sleeping when it's hot. Um, Someone with the pitta dosha typically does not have problems sleeping, but if they get hot, that's going to be what wakes them up and cause them to not be able to get back to sleep. They can become hangry if they don't eat when they are expecting to eat. So having regular meals for Pitta is very beneficial. And this is the time of year where Pittas can tend more towards burnout because of the heat. They they are the doers and the leaders and the entrepreneurs and the bosses. And that heat might be stoking their fire even more to get stuff done. And the real work for Pitta during this time of year is to be mindful and slow down, and show some gratitude towards everything that they have in their life to help counterbalance that burnout. Um, they might see the longer days as an opportunity to get more work done, and and that's where their work really comes in. You know that they need to schedule periods of rest and vacation and go to the beach and sit in the ocean and go to a lake and and find all the ways that they can cool off but but they can really struggle with this time of year because it's stoking their fire even more and then they can tip into pitta imbalance.
1: Yeah, I think the dosha model is so helpful and beautiful because it's definitely symbolic, right? We're talking about having these different elements in our body. But when you learn about each dosha, how it affects us on different levels, it does match up with Western science in many different ways. And then I also love it because it offers a very holistic way of harmonizing each of the doshas. So I really, I really love that. And we might know that we are a Pitta personality, as you say, if we are somebody who will work really hard, wants to get all of the things done. And another way that we know we're Pitta is, let's say we love to exercise and we'll push ourselves. Even if we're really hot and sweating, we'll still push ourselves because we want to hit that goal of 100 push-ups or whatever. Even if we're completely shaking and our alignment is off, and we're dripping with sweat, we'll just keep going. It's that no pain, no gain philosophy. And I thought that was really interesting because I definitely have that part of myself in my history where I was a runner and I would run until I told myself I was done. So I would run for the clock because I was going to go and run for an hour rather than listening to my body. And for a lot of people who are Pitta, there's a desensitization that's going on that we may not even realize when we're overheating. And so now that we are experiencing for many of us hotter days and we're outside for longer, when we get overheated, we may not realize it. And so sometimes to say to a Pitta person, okay, you need to slow down. I know for me that was confusing because I don't necessarily want to slow down and, Pitta won't want to slow down. But another way of looking at this is instead of, okay, physically stopping what you're doing, yes, we all need to take some more time to rest, but it's the quality of mindfulness that you mentioned, almost slowing down the mind. Because pitta, when it moves into our mind, our thoughts become hard driving and obsessive. I think most of us can relate with this. Obsessive thoughts. So we get really stuck in our stories, stuck in the way that we see the world and we see ourselves. We get really stuck in the way things should be, how we should be acting, how that person should be acting, um, how our work life should be, what we should be eating. And when we get stuck in those obsessive thinking, you know, that can really lead into anxiousness. That can also lead into addictive tendencies which we're going to talk about on this episode because you know summer comes with its own challenges but not to mention where we find ourselves in the world in this time of covid and in this time of racial inequality and so many people waking up but we'll get back to that but for people whose minds are on that sort of one track The work of mindfulness. So, the work of being able to sort of sit behind our thoughts and witness them rather than identify with them. Nobody's saying that's easy, but that's really the heart of all of these practices is even to discern what doshas are within us. It takes a certain level of mindfulness to notice okay, where am I feeling heat in my body? Where am I feeling coolness in my body? Um, How does this bite of food affect me, not just in my body, but in my energy levels and in my mind? How does this color affect me? How does this season affect me? And rather than being judgmental and telling ourselves stories about that, just being able to be curious about that. And that is a big reason why I love the dosha model, because it invites us to be compassionate. It invites us to be curious and um, notice what is working for us and what is not.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and I've said it I said it in our class this weekend and I say it often that once we identify the doshas in our bodies and in our minds, we tend to I we hang on or grasp on to one and that can be misleading as well because we we use our behavior, we use our dosha as an excuse for our behavior or for our thoughts and Instead of looking at what is actually going on for myself, I had always identified as very strongly kappa because of the makeup of my body. And I have a, a kappa body, I have kappa hair, I you know, like um, I felt like my heart was really kappa, and I didn't strongly identify with pitta. And my Ayurvedic practitioner says, You are strongly pitta. And I was like, Oh, come on, I am not. I'm Kappa, you know, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a caregiver. I'm a nurse. I'm, you know, I, I have really thick hair. I tend towards weight gain. I, my predominant emotion is, you know, love or sadness. And, and she said, look at your mind. And I was struggling with burnout like my whole reason for going to see her was because I was burnt out. And I had to look at my actions because I was, I, it was like this whole part of me that I wasn't even recognizing about being this overachiever. and And I would relentlessly pursue certifications and degrees and positions at work and be on the next committee and want to put another accomplishment check next to my name. Totally blind to the fact that these were all very Pitta actions because I could, I wasn't a Pitta, no way. And, and it took somebody really holding up the mirror to say, you are burnt out. You are so burnt out. And look at, you are caught. You are the cause of this. You are driving yourself into burnout. Because you're not being mindful of your energy. You're not being mindful of your lifestyle. You're not being mindful of what is enough. Like, when is it going to be enough? Like, when was I going to be satisfied? Never. And um, so it it's sometimes we need some help to identifying what is going on with us, with the doshas.
1: I think you're really speaking to the importance of opening up to other perspectives and that piggybacks on the topic that we talked about last week, which is the ability to hold more than one thought in our mind. And that is challenging for human beings because we only have our specific lens and that's the beauty of learning. And that's the the beauty of holding space for other ideas. And just like we're noticing in our outer world right now, you know, something that we taught at our solstice class is this is a nice time to notice our interconnectedness, not just with nature, but with each other. And while the media shows us all the ways that we are divided right now, we can also hold the other true thought that we have a great deal of interconnectedness and that is being shown to us through social media and the sharing of all of these new ideas and the sharing of information that is waking us up to our, our racial biases. Like, You're speaking on a micro level of an experience that you had of somebody else illuminating something about you for yourself that then helps you to expand your perspective. And I feel like that's happening on this macro level and it's challenging for people. And, you know, n- not just the the pit of mine that has the story and it's hard to see things in another way. It is hard for everybody to change and see things in a new way. And we're seeing that as well. And I'm hopeful with the changes that are happening, that we can see that that's what we have in common as well. You know, our, our attachment to the way things are and our inability to change, it's actually something that we have in common.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And when it comes to
1: the season of summer and the dosha of pitta, however, that might be even a little harder to change, you know, our attachment to thinking in a certain way. And that can lead to a, a lot of suffering and. That's the heart of all of these practices. It's basically like we all suffer as human beings because we all have minds and we all have our stories, then we suffer because of them. And it's so challenging for us to be in present-centered thinking, to be just right here, right now. And that is really the ultimate practice, no matter what dosha you are. So Right now, around the world, we see an imbalance of vata, which is related to the element of air and ether. And it's very destabilizing. It's about things changing. It's about turbulence. It's about chaos. And so I think on this universal level, there is an imbalance and a turbulence and so much change going on. And then the rest of our doshas... The rest of our constitutions, whether we talk about it from a Western perspective or an Ayurvedic perspective, the rest of our constitutions are going to be unbalanced because of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if our tendencies are being heightened right now. Um, And mindfulness is really the answer. Uh, Practices that allow us to be present so that when we read that post on social media and we have an experience of an emotion, are we able to take a moment and watch that emotion and let that guide us into information about why we're being triggered rather than sort of immediately responding? I mean, mm-hmm. is, isn't that the, oh, the the lesson um, that we all learn is, you know, kind of responding immediately out of an emotion without without being present and being a little bit more mindful that, that can be a challenge for us being mindful of what else is coming up. You know, it's very difficult right now where we are in this world to sit with our minds because there is a lot to suffer about. There is. Mm -hmm. And for many people that struggle with any form of addiction, whether that be a lot of social media, a lot of food, alcohol, drugs, sex, you know, this is really a way to take ourselves out of the discomfort of our minds. And even though it may seem so simple, the practice of mindfulness can be incredibly helpful there. I know for myself and for a lot of clients that are coming to me that have struggled in the past with maybe food and alcohol, this time of isolation and this time of unrest and upheaval and confusion, it is just heightening all of those tendencies and the need to resist the discomfort that we feel within it's just a reminder that these practices that we're learning in these systems can be helpful because we feel this discomfort in our body you know a craving a craving to get out of suffering and then we'll reach for something outside of ourselves when really the reminder is we have what we need if we can allow ourselves to sit in discomfort and then we should talk about that a lot of what we're reaching for in the summer months, because we've been taught that that's what summer is all about can even imbalance us further.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I. What you said about the emotion, like there's a lot to be outraged right now in the world. There's a, there's a lot to be that, that we should feel outraged about or that we are feeling outraged about. But like you said, bringing in that mindfulness, to also be mindful of periods of rest that we cannot carry on the work of of working on whatever is causing us to be outraged if we 24/7 live in outrage like we have to also find periods of rest so that we can continue to do what needs to be done that's really interesting Because I know for me and
1: a lot of other people that I talk about that have in the past or do right now struggle with um, over-drinking or the over-consumption of food, it's only when they have that first sip that they actually feel like there's been some sort of shift that allows rest, that it doesn't feel like a busy mind can shut down until um, that first drink. And it's such an experience of calm that it then allows them to rest. And I hear that story time and time again. And I offered a practice once to a client, you know, based on some work that I did with myself, we're talking about the doshas, we're talking about pitta and how it's kind of related to the element of fire and that hard driving personality and other systems and in Western psychology, you might even relate that to, um, the masculine and we're not talking about gender here at all. We're talking again in symbolic terms in order for us to understand our psyche, but everybody has quote unquote energy that has that masculine touch to it. And you can think about that as, um, the achiever, as you say, the leader, the doer, um, working structure responsibility and then if you think about the feminine again not from a gendered place you think about more receptivity and rest and love and softness and ease and the practice of yoga is all about the perfect marriage and harmony of these two qualities like on our yoga matter in our movements we don't want to be too rigid and have it be all about power and force we want to have power and strength, but then within that structure, we want to be able to be fluid and be relaxed. Like the ultimate yoga practice is called relaxation and action. And then we know that yogis, what we're practicing on the mat, we're really practicing for the yoga of our life. And how can we find relaxation and action out in the world? And that battle between the masculine and feminine in our psyches, I think is also a big contributor to a lot of women that I have spoken to, who feel like they have to do it all.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: maybe this is also a Pitta element in these specific women um, that I've worked with and, and that I've spoken to, and then I can speak to myself as well. And it feels like, you know, the wine or whatever it is, this the substance, as soon as it comes in, it softens that quality, and it allows more of the fluid flow of the feminine, something that our culture is missing completely, honestly. I mean, if you speak to the teacher that we had on our, our show, Mary Campbell, that's really one of her big concerns when she looks at our culture and the patriarchy, how she doesn't see a lot of, of femininity and the healing power of that. What are, what are your thoughts? We've never talked about that before. What are your thoughts about how alcohol can kind of have the masculine or even let's say the Pitta stand down for a moment and you're able to take a breath and finally feel like you can relax.
0: Well, I think I can only speak for, you know, myself and like my relationship with alcohol. You know, I was in that state of a very masculine way of living as far as doing and achieving and working and and not allowing the more feminine aspects of myself to rise. Um, And so it it wasn't a natural way for me to be in the world. And I was suffering from that burnout and frustration. And so what I was seeking when I was living this unnatural way was relief. You know, Mm -hmm. I needed, I wanted relief and I was uncomfortable. And when we look for, those things to ease our discomfort, whether it's reaching for a drink or reaching for sugar or numbing out in some way. That's what I was seeking. I was seeking relief and pittas don't innately give themselves permission to rest. And so for me, having that pit of mind, I wasn't giving myself any permission to rest, any permission to slow down, and so then I turned to alcohol to create that bridge to rest. What I thought was rest, what I thought was relief, when really it didn't allow me to rest. Um, but it, like you said, it gave you that moment of like taking an exhale, like oh okay. Um, but then it came with its a whole host of other things. And if Pittas could tap into that mindfulness instead, that permission to turn it off for a minute to, if they're sitting in discomfort, an uncomfortable feeling, I don't think has ever killed somebody, but we think it will. And we want to run from that discomfort and we want to squash that discomfort and so then we look for other things to flip that switch for us and what worked for me was realizing that what my coping mechanisms were weren't working anymore or they weren't beneficial to me and what I was truly seeking was relief of discomfort and rest that I had to sit in the discomfort and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be I didn't die from it. And then I could navigate to the other side and then I could find rest. So removing that, what I thought was the bridge to rest, alcohol, sugar, distraction, and then actually facing discomfort, facing what wasn't working, overworking, overdoing, achieving, burned myself out, looking at that instead, instead of you know, I thought I was just going to continue on that way of life. I'm going to keep doing, keep working, keep achieving, keep doing the things, but I just need something else to help me keep doing those things. When actually I needed to really examine what was working and what wasn't so that I didn't need the addictions to cope with the things that weren't working in my life. Does that make sense? Yes. And, you know, part of what you said
1: We sure don't want to rain on a summer parade here. However, (laughs) um, during this time of year, when a lot of our celebrations are centered around sugar and alcohol, it is the consumption of alcohol and sugar that is actually really aggravating to Pitta. And I only say that just, you know, take it as a form of education because educating myself about my own constitution and what worked for me when it came to what I was consuming and not was and continues to be kind of a part of my healing and recognizing that even though I want something and I like something and um, doesn't mean that it's good for me or that I even have to have it. So, you know, this is not intended to to be a lecture at all, but only just informative. And that was something that I didn't know until I learned more about the Pitta and how any, if we have that in our, we all have that in our constitution, but as we say, if we are even a little bit predominant in that, this is the season where it might become even more out of balance. And if we are adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, then we might notice some of the conditions that can arise from Pitta, Pitta's flame roaring a little bit high. And that can be that that obsessive thinking gets a little bit more and it's a little bit harder to open up to broader perspectives. That can be inflammatory conditions um, like IBS and joint inflammation and skin rashes. I mean, again, it's all very symbolic, right? So think about heat and and redness and heat in the body. And these are conditions that we can experience, but also it can fuel us towards more addiction. You know, from a therapeutic yoga perspective, our teacher teaches us to help our clients with addiction through Pitta balancing, mm-hmm. because it is an obsessive quality, just like the obsessive nature in our mind, what we're reaching for over and over again, and not being able to see clearly that the benefits may not outweigh the risks of the behavior that we're choosing, you know, that's obsessive in itself. As you say, cooling down the fire, not necessarily with just stopping and putting cold things in your body, not at all, Mm -hmm. but, but cool. Think about cooling down that hot, angry mind, with the energy of love, and the energy of gratitude. And that comes back to this time of year, and how nature is just naturally going through its transitions. And we're not used to looking outside and noticing that what we see outside is affecting us within. And now might be the time, you know, to, to take some time to notice the beauty of your surroundings it's actually very healing for a pitta mind and pittas do not do enjoy beauty and when they look up from their work and their thoughts and their to-do list and take some time to do that that in itself can be really balancing have you found that for yourself
0: mm-hmm. absolutely it can take a long time to get a pitta to look up from their work and there can be resistance because they love a plan and they like to complete a plan and they don't like to deviate from the plan. They do not do well with detours. And so there can be resistance from, from Pitta to stop what they're doing and look up from their work, like you say, and enjoy their surroundings because they are afraid of losing that momentum. They have a real struggle of giving themselves permission to, to not do something to not complete something, to not take control of something. And so that is the struggle of Pitta.
1: You you were really open in one of our earlier episodes. It's called The One About Alcohol. And you shared with our listeners that you have cut out alcohol completely. Mm
0: -hmm. Would
1: you be comfortable sharing a little bit more about the path you took and the journey that you took for your recovery? Because aren't you overthinking? three years? Where, where are you in
0: your sobriety? Almost four years, three oh. and a half. Yeah. Three three and a half. So October. Um, yeah. So for me, it, it required complete abstinence. I wasn't um, I wasn't somebody who had success cutting out alcohol by saying, Oh, I'm going to moderate or, Oh, I'm going to only drink on the weekends or, Oh, you know, because I was in such deep, burnout that I was constantly re, re looking for relief. And, and so for me, it took complete abstinence to cut the ties with alcohol. And, and for me, that works in other things too. If I'm going to cut sugar out of my life, it's going to have to be, I'm going to have to cut it completely out because I'm not going to navigate well in trying to say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to cut back. Cause I'm not, I, I know myself and I'm just, I don't do well with that. So for me, it was a hundred percent. I just had to say no. And, and if somebody is questioning their relationship, say with alcohol, doing something like a, a 30 day challenge could be a real eye opener for you. If, if you've tried to cut back or you're questioning your relationship with alcohol, or it's just not serving you in a positive way. Then maybe cut it out completely, and that can give you a lot of information about how alcohol plays in your life, whether it's serving you in a positive way or whether it's something that you could really do without. You know, try it, for, try a complete abstinence for a set amount of time. There's plenty of um, things we do in our culture, like um, Dry January or Sober October, or Um, things like that. And, and culturally that can be a struggle because a lot of our activities revolve around alcohol. And, and I know for myself, I got a ton of questions from people around me. Why aren't you drinking? Why do you have a drink? Here's a drink. Can I get you something to drink? And when you say, no, I'm good. Or no, I'm not drinking right now. Or no, I'm not drinking or no, I don't drink. There's, there can be a lot of questions just because as a culture we tend to drink a lot and that can be a struggle especially for pitta people because they are success driven and so it can be viewed as a negative that you're not drinking or a failure that you can't drink appropriately or so for me it was abstinence that was the real key and then surrounding myself with whatever i needed so I was really compassionate during that time about not trying to quit everything. I wasn't going to quit alcohol and sugar and fatty foods. And I wasn't going to try to suddenly learn how to run a 5k and, um, make my bed every morning. I was just going to work on this one thing and make that sustainable because if I had tried to do all the things, then I would have probably burned out on all the things and not have Been as successful with removing alcohol. So, if I can offer anything, it's just to just to focus on one thing. But focus on that one thing with laser sharp focus. Like Pittas can. Pittas can really hone in on on wanting this one thing to be successful. So, if it's something that you want to remove from your life, whether it's alcohol or sugar, this might be the time that really you find success because during the Pitta season, there can be a lot of focus and a lot of discernment. That could be the thing because of the heating qualities of alcohol, that it could exacerbate the negative effects of alcohol or how it affects you. This could be a really great time to
1: try it. That's such a key point that you made. The qualities that Pitta have of being very focused and intense And able to complete tasks can be thrown in to tasks that are skillful for us. So, my teacher has said, and I've heard this in other places, and I really believe it. We're all addicted. We're all addicted to something, and being able to throw those qualities into getting very interested in pursuits that are helpful for us is something that we can do. But I'm curious because you know we're talking about the pit of mind and how that contributes to obsessive thinking, and then obsession can also equate addictive behaviors. What led you to that full and total abstinence? Because you're talking about the choice that you make, but was it first a practice of mindfulness, like really noticing that the risks were outweighing the benefits for you, that the negatives were outweighing the positives? And then was there a re-education of the mind? Um, what happened for you in order to make that decision and what perspectives arose for you?
0: So that period of my life was kind of the height of my burnout and my sadness. I had uh, I had kind of a culmination of many years of things that had occurred in my life and and continued to like plug along like not not honoring a time to grieve, not honoring a time to rest, not, not overachieving and i just hit a brick wall like i just like could not go on anymore living my life the way i was living it there i was finding very little joy in my life i was really looking at my life through a black and white lens like it was just very gray i was trying to numb and squash this sadness and this feeling of not having achieved even though i had run myself into the ground And so I was using alcohol more and more to try to numb those feelings, which then in turn numbed all the feelings. So I wasn't finding joy and happiness and gratitude either. And I knew that I couldn't go on that way, that life was too short and that I wanted to find joy again. And even if it meant facing my sadness so that I could feel joy, so that was the beginning. And when I was practicing yoga, I was beginning to have these episodes during Shavasana or after class where during Shavasana, I could cry and, and I could cry like unexpectedly, like not be sobbing on my mat, but I I felt these emotions come up or I felt these little parts of me break open that I had really been trying to squash down because i I like I said earlier in this podcast I was so uncomfortable with feeling that I thought if I felt these feelings I would die and literally die and and so I was constantly squashing them down trying to numb them because I knew that if I faced these feelings my heart would literally stop and so yoga was was breaking me open um really that wasn't what I asked for when I went to yoga You know, when I went to yoga, I wanted to get physically fit. And it was having this effect on me, on my heart and on my mind and on my emotions that I didn't necessarily invite and was resistant to, but kept going because I found it so interesting that this physical practice that I was going to, to, you know, work on my physical health was having this effect on my mental and spiritual and emotional health. So I kept going, thank goodness, and was having these little parts, these little boxes open up inside of me. And these little feelings would bubble to the surface, and they would—I would move through them. Um, I wouldn't run away from them, and then they'd move on. I was like, "Wow, maybe there's something to—maybe there's something to this feeling your feelings." I don't know. Like, maybe I can feel my feelings and not die, literally. And I knew alcohol was getting in the way of that. I started to get a glimpse on what healing might feel and look like and i knew that alcohol was standing in the way and if i was going to have the rest of my life be authentic and and live an examined life because i didn't want to come to the end of my life and still have it be that black and white movie that i didn't feel anything through then i felt like that would be more heartbreaking than the heartbreak that i wasn't willing to feel and move on from
1: yeah you know this this podcast is about how the practices through the systems of yoga and ayurveda have contributed to our healing and and how we've committed our life now to sharing that with others and so thank you so much for sharing that story and it just reminds me of how grateful I know we both are of the tradition of yoga how much we honor it and how important the systems are, because what it offers us, whether we realize it or not, is a heightened sensitivity. You are called to be so sensitive on the yoga mat to notice what your body is doing and what your breath is doing in a way that we have never been asked to before in our culture. And then that continues to grow, or it can continue to grow, um, to be able to notice the inner workings of our bodies and our minds in new ways. And then you can't help but notice how this food might affect you, how this drink might affect you, how being in the room with that person might affect you. You can fight it for a while, but if you continue down this path, you will not be able to ignore it for long because Whatever that substance is or that person or that activity or maybe even that, that television show or that book, it will affect you in such a negative way that it will um, cause you to get sick and you you will be asked to pay attention. And I love your story of paying attention. And, um, you know, I think that you're a model for a lot of people listening Because I think a lot of us have been paying attention, but it's also scary to listen to that voice because so much of our identity is around the way that we've been living. And so much of our culture is also associated with working hard and playing hard. And the summertime is a time to play hard. And so I feel like the overarching theme of this conversation is just the call to notice and just, just to really notice how does that truly taste you know, during the first sip and in the lingering aftertaste and what's happening in your body and how is it affecting your mind and your mood and how are you treating yourself in your mind and how are you treating others? How is it affecting your sleep, your joy? We're not going to feel good all of the time and due to what's going on in the world right now we're not going to feel good all of the time and can we accept that are we able to accept that sometimes we're going to feel pain and intense discomfort and grief and worry and like you said we haven't heard of anybody dying from a bad feeling but it's almost radical not to run out of that bad feeling because We are shown hundreds of different ways to change that feeling, to shop it away, to distract it away, to drink it away, to eat it away, to love it away, right? We're shown a million different ways to run from it and very few ways to sit in it. And all we can share is from our perspective and what we've seen in ourselves and in the yoga room, but being able to be with. The craving to get out of suffering, sitting with it eventually does allow it to move. And it's almost like we're then adding that element of water um, and earth to the element of fire is we're allowing ourselves to get present, which is grounding, and we're allowing what we're stuck in to flow we never really know how these conversations are going to go, but you know, that's why I love having these conversations with you. That's why I love teaching with you. And I, we'd be remiss, um, you know, not to mention to our listeners that everything that we're talking about, the, the qualities within us and outside of us right now and how we can um, manage our bodies and our minds, um, n- not as another should, but, just as a way of being able to hold greater space for ourselves and all the upheaval and and the transformation that is happening and that we are called to answer right now. Um, We're going to be teaching about that live actually weekly. And this episode will come out on Thursday. And so this coming Sunday, Amy and I are going to be starting a seven week program called a radiant summer.
0: I am thrilled to be able to do this with you. 7 weeks live, every week we'll be meeting with our students in the Zoom room and we'll be supporting each other through the high long days of the summer season.
1: Mhm. Yeah, you can expect, you know, 90 to 120 minutes of, of intention and breath and movement and meditation and philosophy. Amy, you're just so beautiful at offering so many lifestyle skills and food ideas from the system of Ayurveda. Um, So this is something that we've been thinking about and creating for a long time. It's let's just be open. It's very mindfully and thoughtfully priced. So we would love to see you. You can um, just read the show notes to go right to the link or you can go to a radiantyear.com and register to join us. And then we'll be practicing together 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, starting this Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I'm looking forward to it very much. All right, Amy, I will talk to you soon. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it.
0: And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.